welcome back to the Center Conversations podcast. I'm your host, Brendan. And I'm John, and we're so glad that you're joining us today. The goal of these conversations are to help you make Jesus the center of your life every day. Now, today we're talking about worship, which is one of the most divisive things in the church. You may have heard the term worship wars before, which is just funny in and of itself. But uh, it's also so critical to a healthy church and a healthy discipleship to Jesus. And since we've both served at a local church in worship roles, and Brendan currently is a worship leader at our local church, we want to peel back the veil and share some things we wish everyone knew about worship. So, Brendan, if you just had to like fire from the hip on these things, what are three things you wish you knew? Let's start with number one. What do you wish people knew? Yeah, I I think this is this is the first one that when you had initially asked me this and we were getting ready for this podcast, this is the first thing that popped into my head. Um, the thing that I wish everybody knew on a Sunday morning at the Center Church um, is that you are free. Now, I think that might sound kind of vague and maybe unclear. So let me unpack exactly what I mean by that. Um, what I mean is you are free. <laughs> you can escape <laughs> if you need to. Yeah. I mean, um, I think that this is best summed up in, in just a really quick story. If I can just share this. Um, I was once having a conversation, um, with a person who attends our church. Um, and what this person told me is, man, like sometimes we just get into worship and I just get so overwhelmed um, with what God's doing in the room and with, you know, what we're singing about. And I get, I just get so excited that, um, all I want to do is I just want to, I just want to shout and I want to jump up and down. And I, I just, I want to, I, she's, she even said, sometimes I just want to run around the room. <laughs> I said, I, I said, I, I totally understand that. But what she basically, the conversation ended with like, that's what I want to do. And she didn't say but I can't, but that's kind of what she Implied, said without saying yeah. it. Yeah. She, she was like, man, this is what, this is just what I want to do. And I just remember telling her, I'm like, man, you could, you can do that. Like you really actually can. You are completely and totally free, um, in these moments that we create at church to, to, to worship God, um, in whatever, in whatever way comes most naturally to you. And, you know, all, the the spectrum is represented, I think, in our church, like between hand raisers and, and loud singers and eye closers and, you know, every everything in between. Those are those are kind of the things we just observe week to week. But um, I think one of the most important things is just to know you are free to worship Jesus um, in whatever way um, comes to you, which is a scary thing to say as a worship leader, I think, wouldn't, you, wouldn't you say, John? It's, it's kind of like giving permission um, to maybe some some almost cra- kind of crazy seeming things to happen in, in worship. But um, yeah, that's just what I one of the main things I would want people to know. Yeah, and I think the freedom element is so important, even like when it comes to expression. And unfortunately, I've had seasons of my life where worship wasn't very engaging or I was even leading worship and just was totally checked out of the moment, but I love um, A.W. Tozer, author, theologian, uh, back in the 50s, wrote this on worship. I can safely say on the authority of all that's revealed in the Word of God that any man or woman on this earth who is bored and turned off by worship is not ready for heaven. Boom. (laughs) (laughs) It's just so intense, but I think that the freedom element comes in right there to say what maybe sometimes it takes engaging my physical body or expressing my heart to really set 
set what's going on inside of me free. And I think there's a lot of power in that. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think maybe the truth is for a lot of people, it's not just that um, they want to do all these expressive worship things, but they feel not free to. Um, It could be that they don't want to do all these expressive worship things um, and they have to realize that they need to work to free themselves. If it, mm. does that kind of make sense? Yeah. Um, like I think there are some people, um, and this has been me at times too, that just needed a little injection of, um, freeing up, you know, like I have to, you know, teach myself and tell myself all the time that, you know, it's okay. And it's a good thing, um, to raise my hands and surrender during worship or, or to, to be in a moment, um, in worship where you just allow yourself to be just totally overcome by the words that we're singing, the, tr- the truth of the gospel that's, I think, presented in the, in the songs that we're singing in church. And um, those sorts of things are okay, too. Now, on the flip side of that, I would also say um, that people are different and people worship in different ways. And people, you know, there are people that I know and I love um, and that I know adore Jesus with their whole heart and want to see his kingdom built here who are a little more introspective and and yeah. calm and reflective during worship. That is okay too. Yep. There's freedom for that too. Um, but there's kind of, there's almost a tension there. Wouldn't you say, John, like yeah. of a, um, we want to in- encourage our church to, to be open and expressive and, and excited during worship. Mm-hmm. While at the same time, acknowledging that people worship God in, in different ways. Um, and you know, frankly, we, we want you to connect with God and engage with God, worship God, um, in the way that makes the most sense for you on a Sunday morning as well. So mm-hmm. I don't know. Does that kind of make sense? Yeah. And I think too, you may be listening to this and not be, maybe you're connected to a church that has an awesome worship culture. Maybe you're connected to a church that's growing in that, or maybe you're not connected to a church right now. And even when it comes to worship, I think one of the healthiest things we can do is worship when we don't feel like it or to lift our hands and surrender, even if our heart's not fully there. I think that's so powerful. And I know there's been Sundays where I'm like, man, I do not want to sing about the joy and the victory and the strength of Jesus when my life feels like it's falling apart. But it may be the most authentic moment of worship for me to just surrender, lift up my hands, say, I believe this truth, even though I don't maybe feel it right now. I'll just add on to that real quickly too. You know, as a worship leader, you know, leading maybe 50 Sundays a year. Um, this, this might come as as a shock to everyone, but there are Sunday mornings where I get up to lead where I'm not necessarily, you know, in in air quotes, feeling it, you know, like I'm not, I don't, I don't walk up, pick up my guitar, just thrilled, um, about what's about to happen. A lot of Sundays I do, but some Sundays I don't. And I think that, um, the thing there is, you know, we sing a song at center, um, called You Deserve It All. Um, and in the bridge, basically, it just talks, and I've brought this song up to you a bunch of times before, but I just love it so much because it just talks about in every season, in every loss, in every victory, you're worthy no matter what. And and you deserve the glory and you deserve to be worshipped. Yeah. And that's just such a powerful song for me because it just reminds me, it's like, man, I could have had a week um, that is right up there with the worst weeks I've ever had in my life, but that does not change how worthy God is. And it does not change, um, what my heart, um, should look like as far as its affections towards him. And, Mm -hmm. um, man, that's just such an important reminder, I think for me. So I I think that leads into like the second thing that as a worship leader, everyone wish, or we wish everyone knew, or maybe you as an actual leader right now, 
wish people knew. And that's that worship is not for you primarily. Yeah. Explain that a little bit. Yeah, definitely. So the <laughs> the first thing I dropped in and in, in, in full transparency is worship isn't for you. And that seemed a little intense. So we kind of played with that and, and, and kind of went back and forth. But um, here I'll be real honest. And then um, I'll kind of maybe say something that'll help help make make sense of that. Um, worship isn't for you, John. It's not for me. Um, it's not for people who are attending our church on Sunday morning. It's not for the people who are attending church um, all around Grand Rapids and the, in the city around us. Worship is not for us. Mm-hmm. Worship is primarily for God. It is so that his name is lifted high. It is so that he's made much of, that he's made famous, that he is exalted above every other name um, in our community, in our room, in our church, in our lives, in our hearts. Worship is for God. Here's the thing, though. Here's the amazing thing about worship, and this is one of the the, the most incredible things I think for me um, as a worship leader to just be able to see and observe week after week. Worship is not for us, but we benefit so greatly from it. Yeah, so greatly from it. I mean, I, I know there there are people that come into church on Sunday mornings, um, just beaten down and haggard from just the week that they've had and just can't wait to step into the presence of God and feel loved and renewed and recharged and refreshed in all these um, different amazing ways. Um, And the ways in which the human heart is able to connect with God after worshiping him is incredible. I mean, we've seen lives changed. We've seen um, addictions broken. We've seen walls come down in people's lives after acknowledging God and after yeah. lifting him up. And that's the most amazing thing about all of it. It's not for us. It's not about us. Um, but the benefit we get is almost unfairly beneficial for us. Right. Like, you know what I mean? Well, I, I man, I, I, even if you're not connected to a church right now, I hope you hear this in our heart behind it. But that is why, to me, it seems counterintuitive to say what I'm about to say, but that is why, to me, as a a church leader, a pastor, a friend of so many people in our church, like that's why your attendance on a Sunday and your engagement on a Sunday matters so much more than you think it does. The fact that uh, you weren't there matters because we are all collectively offering back to God worship and saying you're the most important thing. And when I choose other things over that, I am reordering my priorities around something that may not be the full worship of Jesus, not not to say that you can't do that in other environments, but there's a higher chance that when we're all together in that room that we're going to be the most focused maybe the for the rest of the week than we ever have been on worshiping Jesus and lifting him up. So the fact that people can miss and feel like it doesn't matter, I'm not there, they'll do it without me, really reinforces kind of a consumer mindset about church and well, the worship team's going to perform or do their songs or whatever without me. But um, speak to that a little bit, being on the other side of that conversation. Yeah, I think like one of the things that I hear, I mean, not one of, the thing I hear the most um, as a worship leader, and I've been doing this, I mean, since I was 14, 15, so pretty much my whole life, um, is that is the word like the, we, we call it like the P word performance. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, so man, like, so when do you guys, when do you guys perform? It's like, well, you know, the worship service will start <laughs> at this time. Like, I don't know exactly what you mean by perform. And, um, I think to be totally honest, like the way that we do worship at our church, it, 
it it can lend itself to getting a little confusing like that because you know we are the music that we play is pretty loud and you know we we have a drum set and electric guitar and you know there's musical interludes and stuff and we have a crazy talented band i'll just brag on on our band um at the center church so it can make sense it can make sense sometimes to me that people would call that a performance um because i think we you know we strive to do what we do with the highest level of excellence that we can um but again it just with that thought of worship is not for us it's not a it's not a performance we're not there to entertain we're not there to um to thrill you with the music that we're playing um we're there to turn your affections towards jesus and i think that that for me is the mark of a successful sunday morning or a successful worship service whenever it's being held is i don't know where people's hearts stirred to love jesus more and and i think if the answer to that question is yes then man if we had some sour notes and we went off the click track a couple times and you know, I, my voice cracked, like I'm going through puberty and like, you know what I mean? Then none of that really matters as I think for me, um, as long as we're pointing people towards Jesus. So, um, it's not a performance. It's not, it's not a rock show. Um, man, if it was, (laughs) we'd be going at this pretty differently. Tickets would be free. (laughs) Yeah. I think it's interesting too. One of the things that you see throughout the scriptures is this whole idea of repetition you read through the Psalms, which is kind of the worship book of the Bible, and there's so many times that David or psalmist or the songwriter would have us repeat something, and they'd pray, and they'd sing it together. Um, And even in modern worship music, there's a lot of repetition. Some choruses, even that we sing at our church, maybe like yours, uh, whoever's listening, are just pretty repetitive and simple. Why is that? Is there a reason for that? Or are there some things that you wish people knew about, hey, here's why we do this? even in our local context. Yeah. I mean, I think that's maybe second to the performance word. That's maybe the, the, maybe the biggest critique that, that I hear as a worship leader, which I, I always kind of laugh about it. Like you get to a point where things don't really, you initially take things really personally and then you learn to grow beyond that. And don't think, don't uh, take things as personally anymore. But one of the biggest critiques that, that we hear as worship leaders all the time is, man, we always got to sing that extra chorus, don't we? We just got to sing the chorus over and over and over again. And and in and in the chorus, it's kind of a microcosm of that because we're really just repeating the same thing. You know, we, we sing a song, um, it's called Worthy of Your Name. And the lyrics are basically that. <laughs> it's it, We just say over and over again, you are worthy, you are worthy, you are worthy of your name over and over and over again. And you know what? I think we sing that that chorus five times, maybe, on a, maybe six times on a Sunday morning, depending on mm-hmm. <laughs> what the Spirit's doing yeah. in the room. Um, but th- there's a funny thing. You know, people say like, well, man, modern worship music is just so repetitive. It's just so repetitive. Well, here's the funny thing. You know, the church... Um, over the last 2000 years since Jesus, um, we've pretty much been singing the same things over and over and over and over again, because we believe in one truth. We believe, um, that Jesus is the son of God, that he came and that he died for the sins of mankind. Um, he rose again three days later. And because of that, we can walk in new life with him. Um, there's frankly only so many ways (laughs) you can say that across languages and across cultures. And, you know, you see the music styles change and you see, um, sort of the way that we sing things change. I'm, I'm actually really appreciative to, for worship artists that are out there that are saying things in new and interesting ways. Yeah. But if you kind of peel that back, we're really just repeating the same fundamental Christian truths um, over and over and over again. And in, you know what? 
in, in, a, in a thousand years, I hope we still are singing the same things, that yeah. Jesus is worthy, um, that he rose from the dead, that he that before that he, he died for our sins, that he, that he came, he was born to a virgin. Like These are the things that we believe um, as followers of Christ. And I think even just that repetitiveness, if I could just go on again for a moment, um, it's just important to to preach those truths to yourself yeah. over and over again. And every, every Sunday as we come to do that, to be reminded um, that he's holy, um, that he is entirely set apart, that he's worthy of our worship, that he loves us. I mean, how many songs do we sing right now, John, that, that, that talk about how much God loves us? We, yeah. we have so many. At least um, four out of four. On <laughs> and that's a good thing. You know, we, we need to be reminded of those things. I know I need to be reminded yeah. of those things. And, um, so that's, that's kind of the, the answer to repetitiveness. Yeah. And I think too, it's, we talked in the last episode about the importance of caring for our physical bodies as a temple of the Holy spirit in, in the same way that working out regularly, having a repetitive cycle of, of exercise or running or lifting or CrossFit or whatever you do, it actually is helpful to you. It, it reinforces good health as well. And when it comes to worship music and song, repetition is healthy and it's helpful and it's biblical. I mean, you can just, again, look throughout the scriptures and find even the songs that the scripture writers talk about as being sung over God in heaven right now are very simple and very repetitive. And I think there's a lot of help in that. Like you said, it actually reinforces a positive truth within us. And sometimes it takes a seventh time before my mouth connects to what God wants to do in my life, and it actually starts to apply. Yeah. Um, I'll just say really quickly, we're preparing for this Good Friday service that's coming up tomorrow night, um, which I'm so excited for. Um, We're singing the song Reckless Love, which is an extremely repetitive song that our church has been singing for, what, a year and a half, two years now? Um, We have our, our technical director at at our church has overlaid some images and some video shots from the passion of the Christ film over the song reckless love. Mm -hmm. And I'm telling, I'm sitting here right now telling you that I've led the song reckless love more times than I even want to have led it (laughs) like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times for worship nights and Sunday mornings and different events and acoustic sets and all these different things. There are lyrics in the song reckless love that were made real to me in preparation for this Good Friday service while watching the images of Jesus walking to the cross in ways that they have not been made real to me in a hundred times of singing the song Reckless Love. Wow. Um, so I think that even just saying that, it's like, man, there there's power in that constant reminder and in that repetition um, and even seeing things in, in a new way. Um, and it takes time sometimes for, for an idea or a concept to even break through to you. Like, do you really know the extent to which Jesus loves you? Um, because I think the road to the, to the cross, that road to Golgotha, um, it goes a long way to, to communicate that to you. And, right. and visually seeing that as we sing that song, um, it just, I mean, it takes it to a whole nother level. So I guess that's maybe just one example of that. But um, yeah. Yeah. So, and I, I, to your point as well, we're in Holy Week, like Easter's this weekend when we're recording this episode. And I just think about Easter is one of those times where it's easy for us to approach even a service like that that contains the most powerful truth and event in history and to walk in kind of half engaged and it takes us two or three songs to even like engage our body and and our our soul. But 
man, my hope for all of anyone who's listening, who's connected to a church and is following Jesus would be that we would be the very first people to engage. We'd be the very first people to jump into what God's doing because you just never know uh, the power it can have, even like you said, moments like that with stuff that is familiar and normal. But um, I think that's its hope for us too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Well, that's that. I, th- I think that uh, if we start We covered there, it all. Yeah. We basically... you. Don't bother ever uh, yeah. <laughs> reading any books on worship ever right. again or anything like this. You're we set. pretty much just covered it um, in 20 minutes, so yeah. that's good. Um, hey, just remember, um, people who are listening, whether you're you're from the Center Church or not, um, you are so loved um, by a God who I don't even think we could even begin to understand how much um, He loves us and the extent to which He would go to show us. Um, that he loves us, um, a God who is near to you and a God who cares about the, the details of your life. Um, we're so glad that you tuned in just for this short time with us today and joined in on the conversation. Um, again, um, if you have any thoughts or questions, ideas, things you, you kind of want to add to the, the conversation, send those over to podcast at centergr.com. That's where we're kind of facilitating that. And we'd love to hear from you and have you um, be a part of things. So thank you so much for listening. And until next time, grace and peace. Grace and peace. peace.